If you ever else, turn with me to John chapter 9. Today is kind of a part two that we began last week. Last week, we began by telling a story of a lame man who was healed by the pool of Bethesda. Today, and that's John chapter 5, today we're in John chapter 9. It's another pool, Siloam. It's another man who gets healed, but this time a blind man. But his response stands in stark contrast with the response of the man in John chapter 5. Let's read this together and uh, just learn lessons along the way. Heavenly Father, we would hear from you again. I pray that you would speak your words and encourage us and challenge us and strengthen us. May your word take root in our lives and, uh, and, and produce the fruit that you would desire. Through Christ I pray. Amen. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? It's kind of interesting. They see this man who's born blind. Um, By the way, the previous verse, chapter 8, says um, Jesus had just been in the temple. He's leaving the temple. There's a pretty good chance that this is a man who is uh, begging on the steps of the temple. As people would be going into the temple, as people would be leaving the temple, this man would be there day after day begging. People would know him. They would recognize him. They, they, like I said, he was just kind of a, one of the many beggars who, who would be there asking for some help. And so it's kind of interesting. Jesus sees them and they don't go to the man to say, how can I help? But they go to Jesus and talk theology. Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? Um, Their theology isn't bad. It's just just too inflexible. And by that, I mean this. Uh, The theology that they're going by is the law of the harvest. The The law of the harvest says you reap what you sow. Whatever a person sows, that will he also reap. And that's really true. If you sow... Um, grass seed, you get grass. If you sow, you know, seeds of for, for tomatoes, you get tomatoes. If you sow bird seeds, you get birds. You know how it all works. And so you sow the, okay, the bird thing, all right. But anyway, you sow the seeds and you get, you reap what you sow. The problem is it's not an absolute because of grace. It would be an absolute if the only thing that rules in this world is law. But because God is a God of grace, sometimes we don't reap what we sow. And also because the world is imperfect, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Jesus responds to their theological question. It was neither this man It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. If you have been following along with our devotions, you know, a couple of times ago, we talked about how upper story, lower story, God God works in the upper story. We don't understand what's going on. 
we don't understand in the lower story what's going on in the upper story. It's like the people of Israel in the in 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 in, in Egypt for four hundred years in slavery in Egypt. Does it make sense for four hundred years? God, what's going on in the lower story? It just looks like it is frustrating, chaotic. Life is out of control. In the upper story, God is building a nation, and so it is with this man. For um. Since the time he was born, he's been blind. Why did this happen? Because somebody sinned? No. It just happened. And God is going to work through this. Verse 4. Jesus says, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when nobody can work. Verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Now, I hope we can get a map to sh show you this. Um, the man is at the temple, on the temple steps. Jesus says, walk down to the pool of Siloam. The temple is above the city of David. Um, the pool of Siloam is at the base of the city of David. Now, the good news is there are steps. Actually, they have the steps to this day. It's one of those things that they've excavated. Um, there's, there, there, there's, there's a sidewalk. There's steps that take you down there. And so he can follow that. Um, but, but this is not a small thing. Get the picture here. Jesus at the temple is saying, puts, puts, puts mud on this guy's eyes and then says, go down to the pool of Siloam and wash. It's like, Jesus, there are mikvahs. There, there, there are ceremonial Baptist baptisms all around the temple. <laughs> what one of these do? No, go through the pool of Siloam. So basically he has to walk all this way down through the city of David, you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe hopefully somebody was helping him along the way, but all along the way, people are going to see the blind man with mud on his eyes, and it's going to raise questions. Now, understand, this is such a significant walk. I think I've walked it maybe once. Every time we go to the Pool of Siloam, every time we visit the city of David, you know, you walk through the city of David, you, you walk through these tunnels, you go down, you get, you come out of the Pool of Siloam, they always pick us up with cars or a bus, because to walk back up is a haul. There are a lot of people that just can't do it. It would be too exhausting for them because it's too steep and too far. Read again what this says. You know, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he went away and washed and came back seeing. What a contrast. The first contrast we see with this man who's healed, Pool of Siloam, and the man who's healed by the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, two times, the man who's healed by the Pool of Bethesda, Jesus pursues him. This man makes an extraordinary trip of obedience down and then back to find Jesus. He is looking 
for Jesus. You can see, even in his in, in that in that obedience, that this man is different. There's something going on in him that is in contrast with so many others. Verse eight. Therefore, the neighbors, um, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, "Is." Not this the one who used to sit and beg? In other words, they've seen this guy by the temple year after year after year. And now they see him walking back up to the, and he, and he can see the neighbors. He's walking through the neighborhood. And the neighbors are saying, see, Jesus is allowing his, this guy to have a testimony. He's allowing this uh, miracle to be made known. Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. I am the one. Can't you see him walking all the way? I'm, I'm, I, I'm he, I'm he, I'm he. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who called, the man who's called Jesus. Why is it that the man at the pool of Siloam never found out Jesus' name? He, he didn't know who he was. And so it was only the second time that he encountered Jesus that he knows. This guy encounters Jesus once. He already knows his name. The man who's called Jesus, again, we see in his character a, a difference, made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And again, this is one of those times where the drama begins to develop. Let's keep going. They brought the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been formerly blind. It was, don't dum dum, a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. See, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Not only did he create the Sabbath, but he wrote the Sabbath laws. He's healing on the Sabbath because he knows it's the right thing to do. He's challenging them. He's seeing if the Pharisees will, if any of the Pharisees will come to his faith. And some did. A couple of did. We know for sure. But he's kind of challenging them in their bad theology. Um, then the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I wash and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Isn't that great? Jesus does the right thing and it's causing division between those who are understanding this is the right thing, this is a good thing, and those who aren't. By the way, sometimes people are way too concerned. I, I love unity. We want harmony. But sometimes people are way too concerned with unity and harmony. If we're going to walk with Jesus, those who are open to Jesus will walk in harmony with us. But those who reject Jesus will not be in harmony. But it's not with us. They're out of harmony with Jesus. That's what's going on with this blind man. Their problem isn't with the blind man. It's problems with Jesus. So they said to the blind man again, verse 17, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said what he knew. He's a prophet. He didn't say, I don't know. 
you know, I got, I love this, goes on. The Jews did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received his sight. So they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. And they questioned them. Now, in the previous story, the pool of Bethesda, that man who was healed faced a choice of faith in Jesus or fear of people. Um, he chose fear of people. He was more concerned about people liking him, about being accepted by people in that moment, than he was being proved by God, obeying God. In this story, the parents take that role. We see that here. They question him saying, is this your son who was born blind? Then how does he see now? His parents answered them and said, we don't know. We, we know that this is our son. We know that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. And who opened his eyes? We do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. They're basically throwing their son under the bus. They see their, what's at stake for them is their approval, their acceptance in society. They're, if, if they answer the wrong way, these Pharisees could kick them out of the synagogue and, and ruin their lives, essentially. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. Verse 22, for the Jews had already agreed, if anyone confesses Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And that's sad. Fear of faith, chose fear. Respect God, respect people, chose respect people. Verse 24. So a second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Then he said, I, I love this. <laughs> Whether he is a sinner or I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you this already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Do you? You know, you, you get this idea that this guy is bold. You know, these, these, these religious leaders are challenging him. And he, he answers quite wisely. He just says, look at the facts. He says, he's agreeing with those who've said, how can a sinner do such things? And so he's saying, theology, I can't argue. I, I don't know. I, you all know theology better than I do, but this I do know. I once was blind, now I see. He healed me. He has supernatural power. He has authentication of the divine, from the divine. Verse 28, so they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he is from because they wouldn't listen. They're not so blind as those who refuse to see. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from. And yet he opened my eyes. He just keeps going back to the facts of what Jesus did. Christianity is logical and reasonable. 
we don't have to be afraid of those who oppose uh, Christianity or the Bible. All we need to do is know the facts, know the truth, share the facts. He just opened my eyes. Verse 31. We know that God doesn't hear sinners, and if anybody, if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. They judged him because he was blind as a kid. Oh, you, you, God cursed you with blindness. They didn't hear his reasoning. They didn't listen. Again, some people just don't, aren't going to listen. Doesn't matter how true it is. It's really sad. But this man is bold and he sticks to his guns and he won't be intimidated by those who have power over him. Power to do great harm to him. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had put him out of the synagogue. This is tragic. I mean, this is, um, this is life-changing for this man. He, between faith and fear, he chose faith, and it cost him dearly. Jesus said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He wants to believe. Jesus said, you have both seen him, and he is the one who's talking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world so that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin <laughs> remains. What a powerful story. What a contrast. Two men, two healings, two pools, two completely contrasting responses. The man pool by the pool of Bethesda is a whiner, a complainer, ungrateful. The blind man is obedient thankful, logical, seeking Jesus. The lame man doesn't think, you know. Um, he's so blessed, and yet he misses the point. Jesus heals him, and he doesn't think about it any deeper than that. The blind man is healed by Jesus, and he thinks reasonably, logically, biblically even more biblically than the so-called experts in the law. The lame man is afraid of the people's response. He tattles on Jesus to the religious leaders. The blind man believes in Jesus, defends Jesus, boldly faces the religious leaders. The lame man is welcomed into the synagogue, but he misses Jesus. The blind man gets ostracized loses all that meant so much to him growing up as a Jewish boy, but he gets Jesus, spiritual sight. Think about it. The lame man doesn't believe in Jesus, and he gets an easier life. 
The blind man seeks Jesus, believes Jesus, stands up for Jesus. When Jesus reveals himself to him, he says, I believe, and he suffers. His life becomes chaotic. And yet, who do we admire today? Who would we say, if their stories are essentially complete in the Gospel of John, who saved for eternity? It's an upper story, lower story lesson, is it not? Again, every day we face these opportunities. Will we believe in Jesus or will we um, back down in fear? Will we be reasonable and logical or biblical or will we not think very deeply about things? Will we be bold or will we be cowardly? Will we be willing to suffer for Jesus temporarily or will we choose pleasure of sin for a season? Two pulls, two healings, two men. And I go back to Jesus' warning to the man at the pool of Bethesda when he said, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Or we could say, start believing as the man born blind and see the good that God will do, even though it may be painful. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for these two contrasting stories, and we can all identify with each man healed. How good you've been to us, how gracious, how kind how reasonable it is for us to believe. Now, Lord, may we be like that man who just obeys, even though it means a lot of hard work, a lot of walking. May we pursue you, even though it's not gonna be easy. May we be faithful to you, even though it may cause us temporary um, loss, death of some dreams, maybe even some damaged relationships. Lord, it's easy to talk about this. It's easy to admire this, this healed blind man in this story, but it's really hard to live as he did, Lord. Help us to walk as he walked with you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Um, next time we'll have a more fun devotion to share with you. Till then.